Hello and welcome to Mashley at the Movies. I am Matt. I am Ashley. And we are joined once again by our friend Grant. Hello, Grant. Hi, guys. You can find him on uh, Twitter under the moniker Hot Dog Cinema. Uh, and uh, we're here. We've arrived at Halloween. Uh, and so before you go out trick-or-treating or scaring up any spooks, uh, you can hear us talk about uh, the perhaps controversial film... Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, and Grant's going to tell us about it. Yeah, so Halloween 3. Well, uh, with Halloween 3, the filmmakers decided to go for a very different uh, approach. Um, This film does not uh, contain the character of Michael Myers, who was the lead character essentially in Halloween 1 and 2. Uh, he died at the end. Well, he he, he <laughs> apparently died at the end of Halloween two, uh, and so the filmmakers decided, well, we'll try to do something different with Halloween three. And their idea was to make an uh, an anthology out of the franchise, so that every Halloween there would be a new Halloween film with a, a slightly different story, a bit like a sort of sequential release of Twilight Zone episodes. And Halloween three season of the witch was there first and only mm-hmm. attempt at that. Uh, the film's plot is basically around um, uh, a owner of a toy factory who manufactures Halloween masks, and these Halloween masks are being sold to children. And come Halloween night, when these children watch uh, a certain advert wearing said mask, <laughs> then bad things happen. Uh, the film stars uh, Tom Atkins, um in a major role uh, as Dr. Dan Chalice, who's the doctor who's out to try to stop the toy maker. And um, it's a, a very interesting movie, but I think I'll, I think I'll leave it uh, there in terms of the plot synopsis. Um, my main thoughts on the film are you have to give credit to the people behind this film for their ambition. So this is 1982. Uh, the slasher boom was taking off and they decided no we're not going to make it just another uh, slasher movie we're not going to resurrect michael myers and we're going to try to do something different and technically technically speaking a lot of the people involved in halloween 3 were involved in the first two halloween movies the production designer from halloween 1 is the director of halloween 3 tommy lee wallace he went on to direct it the miniseries in the early 90s uh, and John Carpenter and Alan Howarth do the score. Dean Kennedy does the cinematography. So you've got a lot of Carpenter's crew. And the film looks good. It's shot very well. Uh, and the score is, I would say, on par maybe with the first movie. Uh, it jazzes it up a little bit with the synth. Uh, it's a bit more synthy than than the sort of uh, piano-like approach in the first, particularly the first movie. Uh, and so I like I like those aspects of the film. Uh, but what I don't like is that I think the film it, it missells itself almost scandalously. You know, if you, if you were going into this film in 1982, the film is called Halloween Three, uh, and the only time you see Michael Myers, you, you do see him, is uh, is on the television. He's on the TV in in, in a couple of films. So the, the, the Halloween three shows explicitly that it takes place outside of Michael Myers' universe. No, Halloween films just uh, just films in this. Uh, 
I, I think the plot doesn't really work. I never buy into Tom Atkins' relationship with um, a very young um, uh, Nelkin. Yes. Uh, I think there's 25 years age difference, uh, and their relationship is quite key to what motivates Dan Chalice, Tom Atkins' character in the film. Uh, and I don't buy that. I also think that uh, the plot is so over the top in terms of um, the sort of uh, plausibility. Uh, I mean, everybody's got to have suspension of disbelief in a horror film, but you really have to suspend your disbelief in Halloween 3. Uh, how they got uh, a room from Stonehenge uh, over to the toy factory uh, is uh, uh, hard one to get your head around. Uh, the other thing is that there's the, the annoying jingle throughout the film. <laughs> happy, happy Halloween, Halloween. Uh, and I think it's played 14 times. That really gets inside your head. And uh, it can annoy you. And right at the end, I wanted to say one thing about the ending. The, the ending of the film is incredibly bleak. It's not a happy ending. Uh, I, I, I quite like that about the movie. And... I think the more times you watch it, you realise just how bleak it is. Um, but I think I'd sum it up is the sort of approach was to try to take a cynical shot at corporate America and uh, uh, the commercialisation of Halloween and things like that. And it does that. But the filmmakers themselves were very guilty of doing exactly that. Mm. They put Halloween 3 on the front of their uh, film. That was to sell the movie. The film is not a, is not a Halloween film in, in 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 the true sense, so I completely understand where a lot of people come from. So I think that it's it's quite ironic that the film takes aim at something that it expressly does. Um, but there's positives, uh, and it's been reassessed uh, in recent years. And I think now there's probably more people that like the film, uh, particularly in the, in the sort of horror film community, if you like, than than don't like it. Yeah, um, I, I had actually never seen this movie um, until we watched it to prepare for this. I had always, I mean, it is kind of notorious, and I had always heard that it was that it was a really terrible film. And there's obviously there's the dirty trick. There's a I call it a dirty trick that they played on the audience. If you go into this having seen Halloween two, and that's a continuation of Halloween one, you would expect Halloween three to be yet another continuation. Um, yeah, that, that wasn't good. And I think that's probably responsible for a lot of the bad press that this movie has. Um, but as a movie on its own, if you forget all that and you just watch it on its own, it's not that bad. And I, I did like the atmosphere that it, that it creates. I, I liked the score a lot. Um, it's definitely, you know, you can tell John Carpenter had a role in that score. You can definitely hear that. Um, and there's some there's some elements to it that kind of remind me of Halloween. The, there's there's a team of of killer robot men who, whenever they're on, they're kind of treated like Michael Myers. They kind of people kind of stumble into them, and he, you know, there's a sting of music, and it, it's kind of like a, a Michael Myers. So there's there's that a little bit of a callback there. Um, the plot, you're right, is pretty silly, um, and. You know, I, I, I kind of, I don't mind the idea of, 
and his reasons for wanting to kill all these children is a little muddled, but um, it has something to do with with a sacrifice, and and that's that's okay. And doing that through you know, um, kind of taking advantage of the consumerism of Halloween is kind of a neat idea. Uh, but it just gets so the ending in particular is just so baffling. I I don't really know what happened. It just it just doesn't quite work. And I think the whole middle section, which focuses on that relationship um, between the you know the the two characters, is pretty slow. And um, as they're you know they get to this town and they're trying to investigate this toy factory, um, it kind of dragged a little bit for me. So yeah, there's it's not horrible. There are some real moments of creepiness. Um, the effect that the mask has on people when it, when it goes off is quite disturbing, and I thought it was pretty pretty nicely photographed. And, and uh, yeah, I won't soon forget that. But yeah, it's just okay. Yeah, so I thought I had seen this movie before, um, but when we rewatched it in preparation for this episode, um, I realized the only part I had seen was sort of the climax that takes place in the factory. Uh, that like that one scene. So I don't know what was going on. I must have just been flipping around the TV one time and landed on it. Um, I went into this open-minded because I went into this, you know, we're, we're almost four decades removed from it now. I know, as Ashley says, the dirty trick that they pull. And so I'm like, okay, this is not going to be, you know, this is not part of the Michael Myers series. Um, and yet, uh, when it was over... I really, I was like, you know, this needs to, this needs to have Halloween three removed from its title. Um, it does not work, uh, as obviously as they intended. And, and, we, and, you know, it, it, they knew it too. I mean, they waited six years and then when Halloween four came out, they returned to Michael Myers territory. Um, I think if this movie had just been called season of the witch, you know, and had just been this little one-off movie about, um, well, what it's about. Right. Um, I think, I, I, I might be a little more open to it. That said, um, I like the first half better. So the first half, and that's because it's more intriguing. You know, I mean, it starts off with like a, a man on the run. In fact, actually, this parts of this movie reminded me of an old Avengers episode. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, Tom Atkins and uh, Stacey Nelkin, who become our two leads, you know, they kind of reminded me, well... <laughs> sort of very poor man's steed and, and, and Mrs. Peel. Uh, but, you know, they go and investigate, right? There's, the, uh, you know, uh, somebody's on the a run and then some robot men, you know, kill him. And then uh, our two leads go off to the factory where he was on the run from to figure out what's happening. I mean, this is, this is classic Avengers. Um, <laughs> but it also reminded me, too, of toward the back half, a little bit of Willy Wonka because you've got the, the, the great Dan O'Harley, um, as Connell Cochran, who's our, our main villain. And, you know, he even gives a little, you know, he, he's this very affable, uh, outward persona, but he's also, you know, kind of sinister, sort of like at least the, you know, Willy Wonka, especially the Gene Wilder Willy Wonka. And, and, you know, he's giving this little tour of his factory to parents and a kid and, um, you just know something's up. Um, if only it were as dazzling and entertaining <laughs> as Willy Wonka was. Um, I agree with Grant. Uh, you know, the Tom Atkins, Stacey Nelkin relationship here is awkward. Um, you know, Tom Atkins is actually going to be 86 next month. 
So he was in his, uh, I think, mid-40s or something when he made this movie. Um, and she is younger. And I also feel like their relationship kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, they, they go off on this mission together, right? Like they're going, they go to this, this town where the toy factory is at and they get this little hotel room together. And it, in, literally in one moment, it's very awkward because, you know, he's even offering, he's like, I'll go sleep in the car, um, bathtub or something, you know, like, I, cause they're, but she's like, well, we're here as a married couple. So it, it, under the guise of a married couple. So that would look a little weird. And then like the next moment, they're in bed kissing and making out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, like, oh, okay. Um, I feel like I like the editing in this movie. I think it's edited well. Uh, that said, I think the direction is a bit flat. Um, Tommy Lee Wallace, you know, directed it. I don't think that he brings much to it. Um, it's just very, very straightforward. Um, the Connell Cochran, you know, Ashley, you touched upon his motivation. I, I, I had to have you explain that to me this morning over breakfast because I, I, was, I was not understand. I was like, okay, what, 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 why was he doing this? And then you explained it to me and I just kind of stared uh, for a moment. Like, okay. Um, the music is good. Um, it's by, you know, John Carpenter and I guess Alan Hoarth. Um, I, there's a, there's a scene in here where, um, I quite like, and of course, this is more about Halloween than it is about season of the witch, but um, there's a scene that um, the movie Halloween is playing on a TV in a room. And there's a few moments where the score from the movie Halloween kind of becomes the score for a few moments of Halloween three season of the witch. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I quite like that. Uh, the danger, I think, <laughs> in showing clips from Halloween, the original, like they do in this movie, is when you are watching a mediocre film and then a better film gets shown <laughs> in the background, it's going to make people be like, oh. Yeah, I wish I was watching that movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, the, 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 the Halloween little jingle that uh, Grant was talking about, it is annoying. I'm a little, I don't, I, I feel like they were a little tone deaf on that. I feel like they thought that the, the, the people making the movie thought that it was, um, better than, than it was because they use it a lot. Uh, and I, I, I was, just, I just, if I, I wish I had kind of been in like, uh, like a test audience or something for this because I would have been like, you need to, <laughs> you need to cut the usage of the song so much. Yeah. And I think they use, it's, it's set to the theme of like London Bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, um, that said, there are elements of this movie that I would like if they were maybe in their own separate movies or done better. Like I said, you know, I'm a big fan of the old Avengers series. So, you know, I like when two people, so there's something mysterious afoot and two, you know, a couple of people go off and investigate it. I mean, I'm, I'm down for that when it's done well. Uh, and then uh, the, these robot henchmen, I guess they're robots, uh, androids, whatever, uh, that, that are, uh, of, of Cochran's, uh, they're intriguing. I found them rather kind of unsettling. Maybe do a movie more focused on that kind of thing. Um, that, uh, while I'm talking about them, it's funny, though Michael Myers is not actually in this movie, um, 
when these robot henchmen appear, it's very much like a Michael Myers intro. Yeah. Someone will be running along and they'll run into one of the robot henchmen. It'll be the music sting, just yeah. like if they were Michael Myers. So, yeah, those are my thoughts on it. How about you, Graham? Well, just, just on that, uh, the, one of the actors that plays one of the robots in Halloween 3 did play Michael Myers in the original film, uh, Dick Warlock, cool. which I thought was quite a nice touch. Nice. Yeah. Um, I, I just wanted to say, I, I do think there are, there are a couple of shots in this scene, which in this film, sorry, which are uh, some of the best of sort of 80s horror cinema. There's, there's one of some children walking down a hillside as the sun's going down and the sun is a gorgeous red colour and these children are dressed in, in Halloween masks and, and, and things and they're, and they're sort of silhouetted in black. And it, it's, it's a brilliant uh, shot and I, I wish I had that as a poster because I, I, I really do like it. And the other thing is, whenever they're showing Cochrane, so um, the evil toy maker on, on on screen, he is frequently shown in almost spotlight. There's like a black uh, uh, background behind him and a circle of light around his his figure. And the way they do that throughout the movie is 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 quite cool. Um, actually. Uh, now, you've already mentioned this. I was going to ask you guys how you think the film would have been received without the title Halloween 3. Because my feeling is that if this film did not have the title Halloween 3, nobody would be talking about it now. It would have been a film that's, I think, you know, a relatively well-made, I guess, 80s horror film with a bit of a crazy plot and not too convincing characters which sort of faded into obscurity and I, I think the fact that it does have the Halloween 3 um, part, part of the title is one of the reasons that film persever- you know, perseveres in a way and uh, persists in, in sort of popular culture I mean the film has got a huge cult following now which has built uh, taken a long time to build up but it, it really has and a couple of years ago I went, went to a screening of this film um, on, on Halloween in, in, in London and I was shocked by how many people were there in Halloween three T-shirts, you know, and people singing along to the Silver Shamrock jingle. <laughs> uh, you kind of thought, "Wow, I've really gone through the looking glass here." Because, uh, I remember when this film was was almost universally panned. Um, but yeah, I agree with you know what's been what's been said in terms of the the film is is not a bad film, particularly in terms of uh, its peers in sort of early 80s horror films. Uh, and, you know, it's got a lot of good people behind it. But I think we've all said the same thing, that really the story is a, is not there and the characters are relatively unconvincing. And I completely agree that there's a big chunk of this film in the middle where almost nothing happens. And it's like watching a TV movie where, <laughs> yeah. you know, not much is going on. There's some kind of relationship and you vaguely know something bad is going to happen. Uh, and when that thing does happen, it's not really explained in Halloween 3. Uh, it, and the last thing I'll say while I've got the mic is uh, I have heard a rumour that the uh, uh, Bloomhouse are looking at almost revisiting this story. Uh <laughs> So I don't know whether they've learned the lessons of 1982. Perhaps they haven't. It's <laughs> <laughs> actually kind of, I'm okay with that. I'm actually a little tired of all the remakes these days, but 
one of my issues is like that a lot of times they remake already good movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with you, Grant. This isn't a bad movie. Um, I would almost even like recommend it. You know, if somebody was looking to watch, you know, let's say, hey, I'm, I'm going to watch some horror movies this October. Mm-hmm. Should I watch this one? And I'm like, if you're watching this as a cluster of other movies, <laughs> sure. Um, but it's also not a really good movie either. Uh, so yeah, if they want to remake it, I think it stand, it could stand to be punched up a bit. Yeah, I think this is a, a prime candidate for being remade and made better mm-hmm. than the original. Um, I think I think its themes are very um, uh, you know relevant to current times. I mean, they're not very subtle, but uh, <laughs> I, I quite like the the themes in the film. And I mean, over, over over this side of the pond, Halloween isn't as big a holiday as it is with you guys. And I was wondering because um, I've heard a lot of people say that Halloween three well captures the atmosphere of sort of Halloween in America. But do you think that's true? Uh, I wouldn't say that. I, you know, the, the couple of shots that you mentioned with the, the kids silhouetted against the, that I thought it also was beautiful and really stood out. And to me that captured a sense of when you're a kid, the kind of the excitement of going out trick or treating, um, just those little moments <laughs> fleetingly. I think it, 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 it did capture something, um, but otherwise not so much. No, it's not one of the most um, atmospheric Halloween movies out there. Um, but uh, I'm trying to think of what, I mean, what, which ones are. But yeah, no, this, you know, but it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Um, so out of 10, what would you uh, give this movie, Grant? I'd give Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, uh, a 4 out of 10. Okay. I would give it a five. How about you, Ashley? I'm being generous and giving it a six. Okay. Oh, that makes my math easy. Uh, so our <laughs> our score is a five, uh, straight down the middle. Um, it is on the tomato meter. It has a rotten 41% from critics and a 27% from audiences. Uh, but, you know, what you know, Grant said earlier is, is correct in that... Um, it does have its 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 stalwart fans, you know, mm-hmm. people who will defend it, um, and I think there's validity in that. I mean, like I, like we said, this is not such a bad movie that I can't see the mm-hmm. the, the reasons why people would like it. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I, just to say, guys, I think one of the reasons that it's got so many very strong defenders is it's got a lot of very strong haters, and I think the hate isn't <laughs> fair. So that that's what gives the defenders the the fuel. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's right. I agree. Yeah. All right. So, um, Grant, thank you again for joining us. Uh, I really enjoyed your your sharing your, your thoughts and opinions this this month. Uh, and uh, uh, Hot Dog Cinema on Twitter. And uh, so, and thank you, folks, for listening to our 13 days of, of Halloween this month. And uh, be sure to. Sit down at 9 p.m. and <laughs> in front of your TVs, put your masks on and, and wait for the Silver Shamrock commercial. Uh, you may not have insects and snakes come out of your mouth, uh, but you may die from the uh, tedium of the, of the jingle. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween.